0: As we continue our summer sermon series, Disciples Together, the Weird and Wonderful Practices of Church, we come to a practice that people are not often hesitant nor ashamed to ask others to do, even on their behalf, even over social media, one that only moments ago we as a church did together, and that's pray. Many of us will keep those requests that we heard on our hearts, on our minds this week. And throughout the week, we will continue to pray for them. Praying is something that we do communally together, it's also something that we do individually. In our text today, Jesus is teaching the disciples how to pray. Now, the notion of the disciples not knowing how to pray may strike you as odd, but as with everything in life, we don't know how to do something until we're taught. Some of us were taught at a very early age how to pray. Chances are, if that was you, you learned a simple Prayer that you said over and over again. Perhaps each night before you went to bed. That's how you learn, especially for children. You learn by repeating and saying things and doing it over and over again. Learning the rhythm of a prayer. Learning how to connect with God and communicate with God. As Bonhoeffer put it, prayer does not mean simply to pour out one's heart. It means rather to find the way to God and to speak with God. It seems simple. It is simple. Yet praying can be a very intimidating time for people. I've shared with you before that I didn't grow up going to church. I began going to church when I was in high school, and I remember several things about church being intimidating. Flipping through my Bible, not knowing where the scripture for that day was located, was intimidating. Not knowing how much communion bread to take when the plate was passed, was intimidating. And when the pastor asked for someone to pray, and everyone looked around hoping they would not be called on, the mere possibility was intimidating. Just like the disciples, it wasn't something I had ever been taught. The more I learned about prayer, the more I realized there were no set rules. People prayed in large groups, small groups, and individually by themselves. Prayers were said out loud, in silence, and even written in journals. People knelt. People stood. People sat. Some laid down. Some closed their eyes. Others opened them wide. Some would bow their heads down, others would lift their heads up. (coughs) Some would fold their hands together, others would lift their hands to the sky. Prayers were said before meals and trips, during services and weddings, before tests and competitions as well as after. Some people prayed solely for others, others solely for themselves, Some said they were talking with God. Some said they were listening for God. Indeed, this is a weird and wonderful practice for disciples. On your bulletin cover this morning, you'll notice a familiar photo of prayer. The picture is entitled Grace. It was taken in 1918 by Eric Enstrom, Instrum was a photographer in Minnesota who wanted to take a picture that would show people that even though they had to do without many things because of the war, they still had much to be thankful for. As it happened that day, a peddler trying to sell food scrapers knocked on his door. He looked at the gentleman, who he thought looked rather saintly, and he didn't have any hard lines going across his face. He asked him if he would pose for a picture while he was there. On a small table, Enstrom placed a family book, some spectacles, a bowl of gruel, a loaf of bread, and a knife. Then he had the peddler... Charles Wilden, pose in a manner of prayer, praying with folded hands to his brow before partaking of a meager meal. To bow his head in prayer seemed to be characteristic of this elderly visitor, Enstrom recalled, for he struck the pose very easily and naturally. And as soon as the negative was developed, he knew he had something special. A picture that seemed to say to the world, this man doesn't have much of earthly goods, but he has more than most people because he has a thankful heart. I find that story fascinating, both that this photo that was taken in 1918 had so much thought and detail put into it. And that this picture that was taken nearly a hundred years ago is one that has been replicated over and over, one that you will find in households and public buildings, restaurants across our nation. This picture has given hope, and perspective to many. Prayers seen today in the media often represent different stories, some the same, but often different. We see athletes kneel in the end zone, never knowing exactly what their prayers are about, if their prayers are solely for themselves or if they're simply praising God for the ability to do what they've just accomplished. In movies, movies today, they love playing off of our insecurities, especially the insecurity of public prayers. There are dozens of hilariously funny movie clips about people praying in public. One that I find humorous from the movie Meet the Parents Greg is meeting for the first time his girlfriend's parents when his girlfriend's father asks him if he will say grace before their meal. Greg, being Jewish, doesn't quite know how the prayer is supposed to go, but he takes on the task, says, Of course, I can do that. I've, I've done that lots of times. He doesn't quite know what to say. He fumbles, makes some incoherent mumblings, and eventually ends up quoting the song day by day. These three things I pray. He continues throughout all the verses that he knows and then abruptly says, Amen, to which her father says, That was very interesting, Greg. (laughs) We laugh at these clips. We know that feeling of fear, that fear of embarrassment. There's truth to it. We've experienced it. And we're all afraid, deep down, of what others might hear in our own prayers. I'm convinced that we are our most honest selves when we're praying. There's no room for baloney when you're talking with God. God knows you, knows your heart. You know what is inside of you, what you honestly think and feel. And when you're in prayer, it's a true reflection of who you really are, your true self. And that vulnerability within your prayer can be scary. We might not be ready for others to know our true selves, to hear our thought processes, or to be able to figure out how our relationship with God is doing based on that conversation of prayer. And yes, you will find that your prayer life is directly affected and influenced by what's going on around you, as well as your relationship with God. If you're upset with God, your prayers will reflect that. If you're scared and fearful of God, your prayers will be reflective of that. If you're at peace with God, if you're happy with God, even if you're feeling distant and alone, separated from God, it's all reflected in your prayers. Prayers are personal. They're not just talking to someone in prayer, but it's allowing others to hear that prayer at times. It's like we're eavesdropping in on a personal phone call. It's a weird and wonderful thing, prayers are, that are a part of our heritage It was the experience of watching and listening to others as they prayed that I learned how to pray. Here in our text, Jesus is teaching the disciples how to pray by praying himself. As Jesus is praying, the disciples are watching, they're listening, they're learning. They hear Jesus engaging in the everyday, and they're learning that wherever they are, Whatever they're going through, God will meet them where they are. That God is listening to them as they talk, as they sit, as they sing, whatever form of prayer they are taking, God is with them. Why do we pray? Why is prayer something that we as disciples do together? It's how we stay in relationship with God. It's how we get to know God and how God gets to know us. And just like any other relationship, there has to be communication. Prayer is our communication with God. The more we pray, the closer we are to God. The more we pray as a community, the closer we are to each other as a community. There will be rough patches, yes, just as there are with any relationship. But communication is how we get to know each other better. And as disciples, it's one way that we care for each other and love each other. One of the best ways for us to learn things is by doing them ourselves and practicing them on a regular basis. After Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, they began practicing their prayers. They worked on praying and on their relationship with God. In Acts 1 verse 14, it tells us that after that, after Jesus had left, that they... The disciples were constantly devoting themselves to prayer, prayer together with women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as Jesus' brothers. They devoted time to prayer. Prayer is a great spiritual discipline. It's one that allows us to grow, not just closer to God or closer to each other, but closer to ourselves and to where we are spiritually. I can always tell how I truly feel about something when I pray about it. It might be that I'm still unsure or uncomfortable with whatever it is, but I can see in my prayers where I stand. The words that I use, the way I approach the subject, that's where my heart is. And I can always tell where I am spiritually throughout the week. If I'm focusing more on others, if I'm focusing too much on myself in my prayers, wherever I am, my prayers reflect that. Prayers, on a regular basis, are great, spiritual discipline, a great spiritual practice. There are many different styles of prayer, and throughout your life, you may find different formats help you better than others. I pray that you have confidence to open yourself up, to try new styles, and that whatever you're doing, wherever you are in your relationship. I pray that your prayers lead you to the table, to be in full communion and conversation with God, to allow ministries to take you where you are called to be, a place where you know you are always welcome and that you always have a seat. Let us sing a prayer now that leads us To this table this morning, number 575, come and find the quiet center. 585, what a friend we have have in Jesus.